0: For over 27 years, LearnIt has helped more than 2 million individuals develop new skills and empowered them with confidence to thrive in an ever-changing workforce. We welcome you to the LearnIt podcast, where we come together as employees, managers, executives, and learning champions from across the globe to take time to focus on our professional development. Together, we will tackle today's toughest challenges and dive into the topics that are key to success in today's workplace. Stay tuned to listen and learn from LearnIt expert instructors and the LearnIt community in order to upskill, reskill, and achieve overall success in your career. To learn more about LearnIt and our diverse offerings of soft skill, business application, and health and wellness workshops, please visit www.learnit.com.
1: Without further ado, I want to welcome and introduce all of you to Riley Jensen. Riley is the lead mental performance coach for Real Salt Lake, Weber State, and Utah State University. Uh, he also tutors various athletes um, at the pro, collegiate, and high school level, uh, and also corporate athletes. So actually, our very own Andrew uh, Gale was uh, was mentored by Riley, and that's how we were able to get connected um, and Andrew is just an amazing person and had nothing but good things to say about his experience being mentored and coached by Riley. Um, Riley has 25 plus years of experience playing and coaching high school and collegiate football. Um, so he's been an athlete himself and has sat in both seats. Um, and he also has his master's in sports and performance psychology at the University of Utah. Uh, and he also runs his own um, performance group uh, as well. And so is, is a CEO and, and founder um, by nature. So with that, I want to welcome Riley and uh, take it away. I'll stop sharing my screen. Thank you so much for being here.
2: Thank you so much, Carly. And thank you, Marissa, for taking time to introduce me. I am, uh, um, I guess I'm, I'm kind of an athlete junkie by trade. I grew up in a home of teachers. My father was a teacher. My mom was a teacher, but my dad was also a coach. He was the tennis coach at Utah State University when I was growing up. Um, I broke his heart in ninth grade by playing high school baseball and and chasing after baseball and some other sports. Um, But I think he's always been, I've always been his guinea pig as far as sports psychology goes. And um, anyway, long story short, I ended up playing football back at Utah State University after we had moved, moved away uh, to another job for my father. And I played football there. I coached at a small, small, really, really good junior college by the name of so- Snow College. And then I coached at North Carolina State University for a couple of years. And so my background was in uh, mostly in football but I played football, basketball, baseball, tennis. And I've always been interested in the mindset of high achievers. And I think that's what eventually led me to this profession and where I'm at today. So. If you have any questions as as far as mindset, sports psychology, relaxation, sport anxiety, um, control, some of the different things or topics that we talk about today, please put them in the chat and I'll do my best to respond to those um, at the end of this conversation. And then if you want to uh, just just feel free to, uh, Interrupt me uh, in any part of this, and we can and we can address some questions as well. I want this to be a little bit more um, interactive than maybe just me talking for 45 minutes and then just answering questions. So if there's a question that you have, I'll do my best to look at look at it and and to help. So with that, um, with my background, I just wanted to introduce uh, who I, you know, what I've done in the past. Uh, one of my favorite experiences that I ever had was working with Philip Rivers, who just retired from the NFL. One of the greatest individuals that I've ever met. I know that he gets a little bit of a bad, um, bad reputation for being a smack talker in the NFL, but this is a guy who is married, married his high school sweetheart at 19 years old. I'm not sure that I've ever heard him say a curse word, which is a lot better than I've done just this week. Um, and. Um, was just an amazing and motivating person, and I think being around great people. I mean, I I tell people all the time it's important to sit with winners because the conversation's different. And I I really am grateful for the time that I've had interacting with pro athletes at this point in my career, and then someone like Philip Rivers clear back early in my career because I think it's had a, a huge impact. the The topic of my conversation this morning is is really like how athlete how to perform like an athlete and the greatest athletes they really understand the following principles that we're going to talk about today the first thing that i think is is super important for us to understand is that we give power to what we focus on and what we focus on expands and one of the examples that i give to a lot of the people that i work with is if you were to go out today and you were to buy a yellow car the first thing that you would notice after you purchased your yellow car is how many yellow cars there are on the road. And you would be like, wow, I thought, I thought I bought like kind of a unique color. I thought this would be something that'd be different. That would be, you know, kind of... and all you'll see for the next two weeks is yellow cars. I had this exact experience just uh, a couple of years ago. I bought, I bought my wife a Honda pilot. It was kind of this charcoal gray color. And I kid you not, I had no idea. I had no idea, but there were like 15 Honda pilots just in my neighborhood. I'm talking about within like a half a mile of my house that had the exact same make and model as my car. And it just shows you that I wasn't really focused on that. I might've been subliminally, but I just wasn't focused on that sort of thing. And it was really interesting how my wife was like, oh my gosh, everybody in our neighborhood has the exact same car. And so there's a real power to this. So what does that mean to us in our everyday? Well, what it means is that it's really important that we frame our story in a way that's beneficial to us and beneficial to others. It means that if we're constantly focused on the bad, if we're constantly focused on the negative, if we're constantly focused on all the bad things that are happening to us, and bad things happen to everyone, not just you, If you're constantly focused on the negative, then that's what you'll see. And you'll find the story that you're searching for. And it's very, very key for us to understand that. But on the other end of the spectrum is that if you focus on the good, if you focus on the small blessings, if you have gratitude, if you have, and by the way, gratitude isn't just a church principle, it's a very scientific principle. And there's seven different items that we get out of being grateful it will expand and you will start to notice all the good things that are happening to you. It will build your confidence. It will build your self-esteem. And suddenly you'll realize that there's a lot of good things going in the right direction for you. So it's really, really important, both as an athlete and a corporate athlete or whatever you're doing in your life to focus on the things that can be helpful to you mentally and helpful to other people The next thing that I think is important for people to understand is that marginal improvement can lead to huge impact in your life, in sports, and in everything that you do. Now, Novak Djokovic just recently won another major event in tennis, and hopefully you can see on the screen here, I hope I hope it's big enough for you to see, but we'll go through this. And this is a little bit of an old um infographic that I've stolen I mean obviously we're in 2021 and this goes up to 2016 but in 2004 and 2005 Novak Djokovic was ranked over a hundredth in the country he made about $300,000 which sounds like a great living and I I certainly wouldn't um, you know be upset about $300,000 a year but when you take into the fact that he's traveling around the world and paying coaches and paying for hotels and paying different fees, that wasn't a lot of money uh, in 04 and 05. The percent of matches that he won was 49%. The percent of points that he won was 49%. And then just two years later, he moved up to third in the world in tennis. He made $5 million, and this is not counting sponsorships or anything like that. He won 79% of his matches by improving just 3% of points one, It's really quite fascinating when you think about it. And then four years later, he was ranked number one in the world. He made $14 million in earnings, not counting endorsements. He won 90% of his matches, and he won 55% of his points. So you can see these were small, small gains. These were small wins that he took to get to where he wanted. Now, I went, a little, I went one step deeper because I just get interested in these sort of statistics. But in an average tennis match, there's about 60 points per set or about, I think the average per match was, let's see, 60, 120, 180 per match, you're at about 240 points per match. And in every single match... That's a difference to go, to to make a 3% improvement, that's only six points per match. That means he won six points total per match more than he did to improve 3%. Or if you were to break it down even further per set, he won two points more per set than he did um, uh, when he first started playing tennis. So you can see that in, 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 in many of you that are listening to this, you're professionals in what you do Small improvements can lead to huge impact in both what you make, in both your production and all the different things you're doing. So my challenge to you today as a corporate athlete is to think about what that small marginal improvement could be that could make the difference in your work and in your life. And how could it improve the things that are going on for you? The next uh, slide. Um, I've kind of stolen from James Clear. Um, Many of you have probably read Atomic Habits. If you haven't, it's a great book to read. James Clear is a very smart man. But I think it's a a really good um, slide just to think about getting 1% better every day. So often in our lives when when we're trying to get better, when we're trying to make improvements in our lives, we go from A to Z or we go from 1 to 60 in a really, really short time trying to get better as fast as we can. And sometimes that causes paralysis because we feel like it's overwhelming. We feel like it's 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 a lot to do. And so constantly with athletes, I'm trying to promote this idea of getting 1% better, just 1% better every day. There's two reasons why this is a really, really good idea. One, you're trying to get 1% better than you were yesterday, not 1% better than someone else, not 1% better than you know, 25 years ago version of you, but 1% better than you were yesterday. And if you can do that, if you can stay focused on just getting 1% better, number one, it becomes a reasonable goal. And number two, you start to build a habit that gets you going in the right direction. And you can see on the right, the graphic there that I stole from James Clear, it's compound interest for self-improvement. If you get 1% better every single day, by the end of the year, you'd be about 38% better than you were uh, at the start of the year. And I, I can tell you this, my wife would really appreciate it if I was 38% better by the end of this year than, than what we started. And so I'm working on 1% better every day. But you can see, here's, here's the interesting part about this graph. If you get 1% worse today and you did it all year, you're only gonna be about 0.03% worse than you were the year before. So when I look at this graph, what it tells me is we don't need to go, we don't need to get so upset or get so concerned about a bad day or about a bad week because really the compound interest for getting worse is a lot less than the compound interest for getting better. So just get a little bit better today than you were yesterday. My father used to tell me, hey, every generation a little bit better than the last. If you can just be a little bit better than me, if you can just be a little bit better person than me, a little bit better athlete, a little bit better worker, a little bit better person, then, I, then that's something I could be very, very proud of. And he, he always ingrained that in us. And I really loved that lesson as I was growing up. Next, we have the parable of the bamboo. And I don't know, uh, Marissa, if this is a place where we can maybe turn on people's mics or let them comment here for a second. But how many of you know how long it takes for bamboo to grow? Does anybody know?
0: Oh, like days?
2: Yeah. It's quick. So yeah, it so we're grow- like doubling every three days. Yeah, it's 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 a crazy amount of, of time that this actually it grows very, very fast. Anybody else have any thoughts on how long it takes to grow bamboo?
0: I've just heard that there's forests that are so quiet that you can hear the bamboo growing. It grows that fast. You can hear the sound of it growing.
2: I love it. I love it. Thank you for your comments. So interestingly enough, um, whenever I, whenever I talk about the parable of the bamboo, I get people that say, oh my gosh, bamboo, it really takes a long time to grow. And then I'll get somebody that says, oh, it grows really, really fast. And the answer for me is yes. The answer is yes, that's true. It does take a long time and it does take a short time because the truth of bamboo is this is it usually takes about five years for a bamboo tree to break the surface. So a person who's growing a forest or is trying to grow some bamboo, there's a lot of work that goes into it in the beginning. And in the first year, they'll go out, they'll make sure that it gets enough sunshine, they'll put the right kind of fertilizer on it, they'll water it just right, they'll do everything that they can, and nothing shows up. Second year, the same. Third year, often they'll change the fertilizer and they'll dump a whole bunch of different crap on on top of this bamboo. And they'll try and see if they can get it to grow and stimulate it to grow and it doesn't happen. Fourth year, the same thing, different fertilizer, different crap that's being thrown on it. And then on the fifth year, almost to the day, almost to the day, a bamboo tree will break through the surface and in six weeks, the bamboo forest will grow to 90 feet. So Damien, when you made that comment, I think you probably could hear the bamboo growing in a quiet forest because it's growing so fast. And that's why we get the impression that bamboo grows so fast is because once it breaks the surface, it really does. And there's, there's a quote from Messi, the great soccer player. And I'm, I'm obviously, I have a little bit of affinity towards soccer now with my current job who was very, very offended by the fact that somebody called him an overnight success. Uh, He had made it, you know, to, to the international level and playing soccer on a high level at 17 years. And he said, yeah, 17 years, 343 days of hard work. Yeah, that's overnight success. He was very offended by it because he had worked really, really hard to get to where he was. And there was a lot of work. There was a lot of crap that was dumped on him. There was a lot of fertilizer. There was a lot of water. There's a lot of different things that happened. And so the great ones are patient when they don't see immediate results. When they don't see that instant gratification that says, oh, you're the best or, oh, you're great. And so what we're working for is this thought process that great things take time. And I tell athletes all the time, anything worthwhile in our lives takes a little bit longer and is a little bit more difficult than anticipated. And that's what makes it so sweet in the end. Let me repeat that. Anything worthwhile takes a little bit longer and is a little bit more difficult than anticipated. And if we can have the mindset that good things are coming, that there are great things to come in our lives. And that if we just keep going just a little bit further and a little bit longer and hang in there just a little bit more, then comes the parable of the bamboo into our house and into our lives. And soon we have this beautiful lush and green forest all around us from all the hard work that we put in. And so be patient with yourself, be patient with others, and it can be a great blessing to your life. So the next thing that I wanted to talk to you guys about is just this formula. And trust me, um, I've, I've never been a great math guy. I, I worked hard at math and received good grades, but math wasn't my favorite subject. So when I put a formula up on the board, I don't want anyone to get scared by it because if I can interpret it, so can you. But E plus R equals O. This is something that's, that's, that's very much used in our field. I believe that we stole it from a man by the name of Viktor Frankl, who wrote Man's Search for Meaning, which is a fantastic book. And I'll refer back to him in just a moment. But he said stimulus plus response equals outcome. In sports psychology, I think we've adapted it to the event plus reaction equals outcome. And this simply means this. We all have things that happen to us. We all have things and events that come into our lives that we have to react to, that are that it's important for us to react correctly to. And when we react correctly, it has a direct impact on the outcome. But if you look at this formula, it's interesting because We have no control over the events that happen to us, and we don't have any control over the outcomes. We can influence the outcome, but we don't have control over the final outcome. We have complete control over our reaction to things. And Viktor Frankl, just to to go back to him just a little bit, he survived Auschwitz, which is perhaps the, the worst place that's ever existed in the history of this earth, right? And I'm sure that there's some other places that we we could put up there to compete with it, but we would probably all agree that it's one of the worst places that's ever existed. And he wanted to make sense of why some of his people in this area and in, 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 in this particular concentration camp were able to have happiness or were completely sad and destitute and why there was such a great variance in their attitudes and in their thought processes while they were in Auschwitz. And he, he believes this, in that moment, in between event and reaction, right where that plus sign is, whether it's 0.5 seconds, whether it's five days, whether it's five minutes, whether it's you know, five nanoseconds, we all have the opportunity to choose our reaction. And we all should choose wisely. He says it's the greatest of all freedoms that no matter what happened while he was in Auschwitz, that the Nazis could not control his reaction to things. Only he had control of the reaction. And So my my thought today or my hope for you today is that if Viktor Frankl can control his reaction in one of the worst places ever to exist, you certainly can control your reaction with your family on the ball field, in the workplace, wherever it is. And it's up to us to choose our reaction because we have complete control over our reaction to things. And that's really, really important to understand. So the next next thing is the great ones know how to stay in the moment. One of the things that I talk to athletes about on a daily basis is time travel. So typically, when it comes to time travel, a good marker that we're flying into the past is we use the words woulda coulda shoulda. And you know I call this Uncle Rico syndrome, right? From Napoleon Dynamite, where it's like, man, if they just woulda put me in back in 1984, we woulda won the state championship no doubt in my mind, right? We're living in the past. We're thinking about failures that happened to us or things that didn't go right. And one of the one of the markers of flying into the future is the phrase what if. Well, what if my coach hates me? What if my boss fires me? What if my friends don't like me? What if my family doesn't approve? Whatever it is, right? We, we fly into the future with what ifs and we fly into the past with woulda, coulda, shouldas. Well, for us to compete and to perform at the highest level, we can't be in those places if we truly want to control our body and if we truly want to control our performance. So oftentimes, We use the phrase in sports psychology, be where your feet are. If you can be right here in this appointment, in this little session with us today and really take part in it and really interact in it, it's gonna be much better than if all you're thinking about is like, well, I've got a four o'clock appointment today and I gotta get this ready and I gotta do that because we're not in the right place. We've already flown into the future, right? And a really, really good way to bring yourself back to the moment is to use the acronym WIN, W-I-N, and it stands for what's important now. So when good things happen to you, when bad things happen to you, no matter what happens to you, a great way to bring yourself right back into the moment is to ask yourself the question, what's important now? What's important right here, right now? And the great ones master this. They understand how to get into the moment. They ask themselves the question, what's important now? And we won't go into this further, but another great way and another great technique to bring yourself into the moment is to get hyper-focused on your breathing. Really concentrate for the next three minutes on your breathing. What does it smell like? What does it feel like when you take a deep breath? Is it refreshing? Is it more refreshing than the last breath? Is it more refreshing than two breaths ago? How does your breath feel? And if you can get hyper-focused on your breath, it's a great way to bring yourself right back into the moment. And the great ones do it so well. There's so many instances where you can watch the great athletes taking a deep breath at the free throw line, a deep breath before a putt, a deep breath before a great speech that they give. Breathing can be something that really brings you into the moment. This is one of the favorites that I share with uh, most of the people that I talk to. And I laugh really hard sometimes because uh, I'm a little bit critical of coaches that say, well, what you got to do is you got to go out there. You got to control the controllables. If you control the controllables then we know exactly what to do, we can win this game, but they never talk about what the controllables are. They never talk about it. So for me, if you look at this little graph here on the outside of the circle, are very typical things that we can't control. We can't control our coworkers. We can't control our health. We can't control coaches or bosses. We can't control the judges or the referees that are in our lives. We can't control our opponents or our rivals. We can't control the weather, our family, injuries. We can't control the past. There's a lot of things that we can't control. And my guess is, is that all of you within the last week have spent time stressing about something that's on the outside of that circle. On the outside of the circle. Now, the controllables are things like our attitude. They're the things like effort. We can control our sleep, how consistent our sleep is, how long we sleep, our nutrition, our coachability, our enthusiasm, our preparation, our communication, work ethic. We just talked about reaction and our hustle. And we can control the present moment. These are really, really important things. Now, when I talk to athletes and when I talk to coaches about this, I'll say, well, you know, how much of these do you, you know, how much time do you spend on the red, on the red words and how much time do you spend on the teal words on the inside of the circle? And they're like, "Ah, 60, 40, 90, 10, 10, 90, whatever it is, right? And I would make this argument. If you are spending time worrying about things that are outside of the circle, you are wasting time. You are not being productive if you're worried about things that are on the outside of the circle. So what to do? Well, one of the things that I tell athletes is if you find yourself stressed about teammates or coworkers or referees or something like that, get hyper-focused on one thing that's inside of the circle. You don't have to focus on all of those but you could really get focused on your enthusiasm today and just be an enthusiastic person all day, and you will see your anxiety go down. Now, one thing that's interesting about performance, and that's what I study is sport and performance psychology, is anxiety and confidence are inversely proportional. As your anxiety goes up, your confidence and performance goes down. As your anxiety goes down, your confidence and performance goes up. And so if we can do something like a breathing technique, like meditation, to just turn down the volume on our anxiety and move our anxiety in this direction, our confidence and our performance goes up. So use that volume. Use that ability to get into the moment to help your anxiety go down. Use that ability to focus on your breath to help that anxiety go down. And use that ability to meditate or to pray or whatever else it is that you're into to put that anxiety in a downward motion so that your confidence and your performance can go up. And you can control your life in a lot of ways if you stay hyper-focused on those words that are in teal. How important is sleep? We just talked about sleep. This is just a quick graph. Um, Athletes today, Uh, The great ones are getting almost nine hours of sleep per day. There was a study at Stanford that happened in 2011 where the Stanford basketball team went from 6.6 hours of sleep to 8.1 hours of sleep in just six weeks. They improved their speed by 5%. They improved their free throw percent shooting by 9%. And they proved their three-point shooting percentage by 9.2%. These are incredible statistics, right? The science of this is unbelievable that just from going from six and a half hours of sleep to 8.1, they were able to improve in speed and focus and concentration. They even make arguments that sleep in some ways, if you can get on top of it and if you can make it your friend, that it's more impactful than anabolic steroids to an athlete. It's really incredible. And there's all kinds of benefits here. I mean, you look at it here, if you average nine hours of sleep, you're three times less likely to get a sports injury than if you're only getting about six hours of sleep per night. Another statistic that I find super, super just interesting here is if you look at this in 2015, some of you may or may not be familiar with Andre Iguodala, but he was the 2015 NBA Finals MVP and he really transformed his career by getting 8 plus hours of sleep each night and these were the difference in 2015 to 2016 his points per minute went up by 29% this is unbelievable these are unbelievable statistics his increase in minutes played went up by 12% his increase in free throw percentage just like the stanford athletes went up about 9% his increase in three-point percentage wasn't quite as good as the Stanford study, but it still went up 2%. And then when you look at the, the errors or the, what we call focus or concentration errors, his decrease in fouls committed, he committed 45% less fouls than he did before, and his turnovers went down by 37%. Really, these, these statistics about sleep just go on and on and on and on. And the Stanford study went on to study the swim team. It went on to study a lot of different teams in hopes of figuring out exactly what kind of effect sleep is. And in every instance, sleep has had a major impact on performance. So if you want to perform well, get to sleep each night for eight hours and make it as consistent as possible. I have uh, Alpine athletes, one that's going, uh, well, I have four that are going to the Olympics right now. For alpine skiing one from america one from norway one from australia and one from canada and they actually lay their sleep times over the top of their performances so that they can get the the ideal amount of sleep for each athlete and it's different for each athlete but they're literally measuring that every single day as they're preparing for the olympics so it's a really really fascinating thing right now going on with sleep The next slide is, is the great ones know how to act. Uh, I tell people all the time, athletes, corporate athletes, everybody that even if you're not in sales, you're in sales. Your nonverbal cues, your nonverbal discussions that you have with people speak so loud that they can't hear a word that you're saying. It's really, really important that we stand, that we interact in a good position. If you get a chance, Go watch the TED Talk by Amy Cuddy on body language because it's really, really fascinating information. But there's a couple of things that you need to know. And I, and I always laugh when I hear this phrase because whenever I hear the phrase chin up, I always hear it in an English accent. Like, chin up, mate. Like, keep your chin up. We've all said it. We've all done it. We've all heard it. Chin up. Well, they've actually done a study recently on the level of your chin and what sort of chemicals are being released into your body. And they found out that if you release or if you drop your chin below 90 degrees, you release cortisol in your system, which is the stress hormone. It's the hormone that makes us lazy. It's the hormone that makes us unable to move and to make action or make good decisions. And if your chin is at 90 degrees or above, there's dopamine, there's serotonin, and there's oxytocin that are released into our system. And they're all really, really good drugs for us, naturally produced, that help us to perform at a high level, right? And so I know, I know you're listening to me going, well, dopamine's not good for you. Well, it can be, depending on how it's produced, right? It also can be addictive, and that's where it can be trouble. Be careful with your chin level. Stand with your chin up, your shoulders back, and your chest out when you're making presentations to people. It releases different chemicals, It helps you to feel better about yourself and more confident. It lowers your stress level. And we know that's inversely proportional to to confidence and anxiety or to confidence and performance, right? So stand tall, be smart about it, and do what you can to be in good body language. Now, think about this. In 2012, cell phones saturated the market with over 50% market share. And what do we all do when we drop our chins, or excuse me? I just gave it away. We all drop our chins to look at the phone, right? So the answer isn't to look at your phone this way, right? The answer is to look at your phone less, (laughs) right? And get your chin up, get your body language in a good position so that when you're talking to people that you're feeling more confident and that you'll perform in a better way. I just love this phrase when I'm talking with athletes. Many of you here are corporate athletes or have been athletes in the past. And it's really important to understand that the pressure that you feel is a privilege. You earned this privilege. People didn't ask you to be in the position that you're in because they think you suck. In fact, if you feel pressure, you don't suck. So congratulations. Congratulations on the fact that there are good things going on in your life. And that you have a job where people trust you enough to make difficult decisions, where people trust you enough to take difficult shots and to make difficult um, impact on the people that are around you and the company that you work for. Pressure is a privilege. It only comes to those who earn it. And so don't shy away from it. Everybody feels a little bit of pressure. Everybody feels a little bit of anxiety. Now we don't want it to be debilitating, But if you're feeling a little bit, congratulations, you're doing a good job, pat yourself on the back. So what I'd like to leave, and I know know we're coming to an end here and I just wanted to leave some things open for questions and some other different things here. But what I would like to do is I would like to challenge all of you to a couple of things and we'll start with this one. The first thing that I would like to challenge you to do And maybe as you've been listening, or maybe this last week, or maybe the last month or so, something in your heart has been telling you, like, I need to stop doing this. So what I would like to challenge you to do, and this goes around the phrase that I use all the time, is that champions act like champions long before they're champions. We don't just wake up and all of a sudden we win a championship. We put together good habits long before we become champions. So I'd like to challenge you today. What is one thing that you can do or one thing that you can stop doing today that will help to lead you to a better performance and higher confidence in your life? What's one thing that you can stop doing? And go ahead and write it down on a piece of paper right now. What is one thing that you can stop doing that would lead to a higher level of performance? And then the second question that I'd like to ask you today is what is one thing that you can start doing? My guess is that your heart and your mind and your soul has been telling you something that you need to start doing that you haven't been doing. What is one thing that you could start doing that would lead to confidence and high performance in your life? And go ahead and write it down on the paper. And then lastly, what is one thing that you can sustain or keep doing that you're currently doing that will lead to confidence and high performance? So you might be doing something that's really good right now. I don't know, maybe you get up in the morning and you work out for an hour. That might be something that you could write down that you know that you need to keep doing. You need to sustain and you need to keep doing that over a long period for your own mental wellness, for your own confidence and for your own performance. And I call those the three S's. What's one thing you can stop doing? What's one thing that you can start doing? And what's one thing that you can sustain or keep doing that will lead to confidence and high performance in your life? And then take that piece of paper out every once in a while and just kind of look at it. These are the things that you wrote down. I didn't write them down for you. This is something that you think you can stop doing. This is something that you think you can start doing. And this is something that you think that you can keep doing to keep that champion mindset that you need to feel good about yourself and to perform at a high level. (laughs) And then last but not least, I would like to to challenge you for the next week to one minute of pug, P-U-G. One minute per day of pure unadulterated guts. I want you to step out of your comfort zone every single day for one minute. Ask her out. Ask him out. Say you're sorry. Ask your boss for a raise. Start that podcast. Start exercising. Whatever it is that you can do for one week, I want you to practice one minute of pug, pure, unadulterated guts each day. You can do it. And I promise you, I promise you that if you practice one minute of pure unadulterated guts per day, it will change the way you look at things and it will change the way that you perform if you step out of your comfort zone. Now, be careful with this, okay? Just a little bit, just a little bit of of maybe a warning. Like pure unadulterated guts for me, I, I love to talk to people. I love to be in conversations with people. Pure unadulterated guts for me might be to take a tall glass to shut the heck up for one meeting, right? And not say anything. That might be gutsy for me to like not say anything in a meeting. And then for some of you that are a little bit more introverted, it might be gutsy to actually say something in a meeting and actually speak up and speak your mind in that meeting. So be smart about what this means. Be an adult, be an athlete, be, be conscientious about what pug means. But the idea is is that the magic happens when you step out of your comfort zone. And I'm not talking about if you're scared of heights to go watch, to go walk angels landing, you know, next week in Southern Utah, where it's 3000 foot cliff on each side. And there's only about six feet of cliff that you're walking on, but maybe just maybe you go and repel this week at the indoor facility where you can do it at 10 feet and overcome your fear. Maybe step outside of your comfort zone that way. But I promise you, this is a principle that will be very, very powerful to you today. And and every day, if you can practice just one minute a day of pure unadulterated guts. The great ones that I know are brave and courageous on a daily, on a daily, and you can do it too. So that's it. Those are some high performance principles that the athletes that I work with, that we talk about that we integrate with people and that we, that we share all the time. And I love meeting with high level athletes just because, um, just because the conversation is different. If there's anything that I can leave with you and I wanna open this up to questions, remember this. I think one of the greatest things that ever happened to me is I had a friend of mine tell me, like I was sitting around, I was like, I don't know if I should start my company. I don't know if I should do this. I don't know if I should go for this. I don't know what I should do. And he's like, well, you don't need permission to be great. None of you, regardless of your position, need permission from anyone to be great. You do not need permission to be great. Go be great today just for the sake of being great. Not because you need your dad's approval or your boss's approval or your spouse's approval or your significant other's approval. Just go be great to be great.
0: Thank you for joining us on the Learn It podcast. We wish you well on your learning journey and see you next time.